0: We'll be reading Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 11, and if you're able, would you please read with me. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. This is God's word. You may be seated.
1: Okay, good morning, church. We just... Good morning. Uh, We just uh, started a new sermon series on Philippians. Pouring out from abundance is the sermon series title and today's sermon title is Abounding in Prayer. Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth and died on the cross, rose from the dead, gave himself and gave his spirit so that we may have life and life in its abundance. We are meant to have a full life in relationship with God, in relationship with one another, ruling, overseeing, creating and crafting beautiful things in this world for God's glory and to bless others. Full life, life in its, abo- in, in its abundance. And we see that life in abundance is not possible without being filled with God's life. We, are, we, we try to make our life full and busy, but at the end of the day, your full life or busy life May end up being empty. You may feel empty because your life, my life, our lives are meant to be filled with God first. And to be filled with God's presence, we are to have relationship with God. And the way we have relationship with God is through prayer. So, in other way, in other words, Abundant life in Christ flows from abundant prayer life. Without prayer, living out of abundance of God is impossible. Serving out of abundance is not possible. I mean, one of the reasons why we give all these pit stops or season or intentional time of prayer In the very beginning of the year, we start with 21 days of prayer. During Lent, we have 40 days of prayer. During a new ministry season, like September now, we have 10 days of prayer. For all of you, but especially for the ministry leaders, is so that we live and serve out of abundance. Not with an empty tank, but with a full tank. Prayer gives us fullness of life in Christ. I mean, more than anybody, I need it. Because there are many times when I have a hard time praying alone. I mean, yesterday's silent prayer ritual was amazing, but there's something about gathering to pray together And Pastor Jason preached on it a couple weeks ago that enriches our life, our prayer life. This morning's passage shows us how our prayer life can be enriched and vibrant, not just as individuals, but as a church. How does our life, our prayer life, become abundant? How do we abound in prayer? How do we have an abundant life through abounding in prayer? I see three things from today's passage as to how we can have an abundant prayer life, vision, affection and conviction, looking at the time, and you know, I tend to preach long sermons, I may end up having just one point today, but it's okay, because the first point is really important. So let's start with praying with vision. Rich prayer life is propelled by vision. Or without clear vision, you will have a weak prayer life. We don't pray much because we don't have much vision for life or for church or even for nations. We just have to work hard to accomplish whatever vision we have. We don't need to depend on God. What we see in Paul's prayer is this magnificent vision that only God can accomplish. So without prayer, he wouldn't be doing ministry or life. Uh, Next week, Elder James will be sharing a testimony on behalf of our Germany Vision Trip team. I'm going to be sprinkling a bit of testimonies or stories from my Germany Vision Trip. Let me just share one. When we were in Germany, we joined a Thursday morning prayer meeting at uh, Florian's house. Florian is our missionary partner who hosted us about 20 people, uh, most of them from the local um, Palestine, the city, Uh, a lot of old people but also young people and some from refugee camps came to join that prayer meeting. It's it's their worship service, weekly gathering. What was was unique about that gathering of worship service or prayer gathering was we, we sat in a circle And right in the middle of our gathering space was a map of the city, the city of Tennessee. And they would be, and we joined them, our team, five of us, pray for the city and pray for the people of the city to come to know Jesus. And they would share stories about how I met this person last week. I was working and I, this client came to connect with me and I got a chance to talk about life and even about Jesus. Will you please pray for so and so? Will you please p- pray for these network of relationships that God is building? They were praying for the whole city, for the people of the city. That's a God-sized vision. In today's passage, we see Paul's prayer is driven by by vision for the church. Godly vision, God-sized vision. So what does Paul pray? What vision drives Paul to pray? Let's look at verse nine to 11. This is the content of Paul's prayer. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent or best, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I mean, it's short three verses packed with beautiful vision of God for the church, for you and me now let's, let's if you can keep that prayer i'm going to work backwards today this is how the section ends and i want to work towards the front so what is the ultimate vision of paul's prayer here the very last phrase to the glory and praise of God. That's what drives Paul to pray. That's what drives Paul to do ministry. That's what drives Paul to do missions. That's what drives Paul's life. Is that what drives you and me, the glory and praise of God? Is that your ultimate vision for your life, for your family, for the ministry that you're involved, for our church, for our nation, for our world. Yes, we can pray for many things, and there are so many things. And I I thank Randy, and I thank our leaders who pray week in and week out every Sunday. There are many things that we can pray for, but at the end of the day, as pretty much all of our prayer leaders on Sundays pray, it is at the end of the end of the day about the glory and the praise of our God. Now that must align our hearts when we pray. That's the ultimate vision. We want to see the glory of God, filling our lives, our families, our church, our nations. That vision should center our life and prayer. Now, how is God glorified? Look at the passage, the the phrase before that, being filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. God is glorified when our lives are filled with fruit of righteousness, I mean, before that, it says, you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. We will all end our life here on earth someday. And we will all stand before Jesus. That's what it means, the day of Jesus or day of Christ. The vision that Paul has is when you and I finish our life here on earth, When we stand before Jesus, we will be filled with fruit of righteousness, good relationships that we've established here on earth, not just in our families, workplaces, in our church. Not just good relationships, but feeding the hungry, caring for the poor, being agents of justice in this world. Fruit of righteousness also includes fruit of the Spirit, your character. You have become like Jesus more and more. Filled with fruit of love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self control, all those good fruit of the Spirit. And not just good fruit of the Spirit internally or in, your, in our character but fruit of right relationship through discipleship, that you have made disciples. You have people who have come to know Jesus through you. And so when you stand, you have people to whom you got to share the good news and grow together into Christ-likeness. And you stand as one who has been set apart for Jesus, pure, life of purity. Oh my goodness. That's very convicting because I look at my heart, I look at my life, it's so contaminated with things of this world. I'm not saying everything in this world is bad. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, idols in my heart. I fight every day, or we ought to fight every day. But yet at the end of life, the vision that Paul has is God will be glorified through your lives, your community that is filled with fruit of righteousness. And when you stand before Jesus, I envision for you, you will stand in purity and you'll be blameless. You will be excited to see Jesus that's Paul's vision for the church. And you know what I realized? I'm not here as a pastor to make you happy here. I, I need to get a different job if, if that's my purpose. My calling as a leader, and all of you leaders, remember, let's remember this. We are here with this vision. Glorify God because we want to, that's, that's our ultimate vision. And we want to do that by bearing fruit, good fruit. And we want to be holy people ready to see Jesus. I need to prepare you for that. I myself need to be prepared for that day. But my purpose is not just praying that you get a good job and have 2.5 children in a nice little house or big house in a suburb and have a comfortable life and then die. No. That for that, you just, you just got to work hard. Again, life is hard, but this vision, I got to pray like crazy. But there's a gospel here because that phrase, through Christ Jesus, or through Jesus Christ, the, the fruit that we bear, the holiness, upon which or with which we stand before Jesus comes through Jesus. Not our effort, per se. It's through Jesus. Jesus fundamentally will grant us. It's by abiding in Jesus. Again, that's why we pray. That's why we read God's word. That's why we have fellowship. That's why we gather like this, so that we abide in Jesus. And as we do that, we will eventually Slowly but surely bear fruit. you got to stay with Jesus. you got to stay close to Jesus. you got to stay close to Jesus' people and be encouraged to grow into this vision. But not only that, not only that, you go to the previous verse. To be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness, that comes through Jesus, but there is a human instrument. What is that? That you may approve what is excellent so that you may be pure and blameless and barefoot of righteous. Meaning, we make decisions every day. Small decisions, big decisions. And we wanna make sure that we don't choose what is bad. What's tricky is when there are two good things, we wanna choose what is best. For that, you need discernment. I need discernment. And Paul's praying for that. How do we stand before Jesus at the end of our day on earth and be pure and blameless? You need to have a spiritual discernment to approve what is excellent. Other translations, to approve what is best. Not second best. Not third best, but what is best. You need a spiritual discernment to pursue excellence. You know, Randy uh, prayed for us. EM, my goodness, I don't want to hear that anymore either. Easy ministry. Ministry is hard, period. And ministry is joyful, period. And ministry is a privilege, period. And I pray, and I thank you for your prayer this morning, EM should, let's change a church. Really, it needs to be elevated ministry. Amen? Uh, Come on, I want to hear more amen. Especially from the leaders, man and woman. Elevated ministry. Amen. Excellent ministry. We don't want to serve God half-hearted. I don't want to do that. I was so convicted after my Germany trip. Lord, number one. I'm so thankful because serving you is the best life that anyone can live. Pursuit of Jesus and his kingdom is the best life you could live. Whatever you do, whether you're in business, whether you're at school, whether you're at church ministry or organizational ministry, pursuit of Jesus and his kingdom is the best life you could live. Don't let anything or anyone steer you away from that. And we are under pressure after pressure after pressure to be steered away from that pursuit, seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness first. God wants you and I to approve what is excellent, what is best. Choose what is best. Now, how do we do that? Again, the prayer, let's look at the prayer. So ultimately it's for the glory of God, right? By bearing fruit of righteousness and be ready to stand before Jesus, holy and pure and blameless, how do we do that? We discern. We approve what is excellent. And we make choices for what is best and excellent. But how do we make those, how do we have that discernment? Well, Paul prays, and that's how his prayer begins. You and I need to be filled with God's love, love for God and love for people, that your love may abound more and more. I know you have love for God and you have love for people, but you know what? In order for you to grow in holiness and Christ-likeness, in order for your life to abound with his life, you need to be filled more and more and more with God's love. And, and love not a feel-good kind of love, love that is able to make decisions for what is excellent. That's why you need knowledge and all discernment. Love and truth we need. So Paul prays for this. Oh God, please. This Philippian church that Paul planted years ago, and they're growing in their personal relationship with God, in their relationship, in their ministry and missions, may they grow in their love for you, but not just feeling, but with knowledge, knowing you more and more, knowing your heart, knowing what is right, what is wrong. We live in this confused age. We need God's truth to guide us, Holy Spirit to lead us, so that we make right choices for ourselves, our children, our church, our people. And I've talked to a pastor recently, and she's involved with School board and, my goodness, some of the decisions that they're making for our children's education and future. It's crazy. We need people everywhere in different fields of life and work in this world. You're all missionaries. You need To be equipped with God's love and truth, be sent out to discern, make decisions, approve what is excellent that will glorify God. I mean, that's an amazing prayer. That's an amazing vision that demands and invites us to pray. Do you pray with this vision, Church? Let's pray with that kind of a vision. Parents and even children, do you pray with vision for your family? What drives your prayer for your family? What about us as a church? Leaders, especially leaders. Do we have this vision? If we do, then we will be on our knees because we know that we cannot change people. Even in, yeah, another, Germany. There was a, a man named Johannes who did a, who's been involved with a ministry in Frank, downtown Frankfurt. In one of our conversations, he said this, and he who works with in the red, red light district and uh, just, a lot of um, darkness in the city, but he was sharing how he has been witnessing the miracle after miracle every day as he's been working and walking and meeting people in downtown Frankfurt. And he said, number one, it's answer to years of prayer that he gets to witness God at work. And then he said this, there's a difference between changing people and people being changed by the Spirit. Parents, have you ever tried to change your kid? I have. (laughs) Doesn't work. Oh my goodness, yeah. We cannot change ourselves. We need a mediator who's called Jesus. We need the power of the Holy Spirit who goes deep into our hearts, causing us to repent of our sins. So it's not a superficial band-aid solution. It's a deep change that God is after because he wants to glorify us with him. He He wants his people to be beautiful and holy and pure and blameless. Spirit has to do it. Many of us, I find, have assurance of salvation, but no vision. That's a very sad Christian life. I've heard that too many times from people. You have assurance of salvation that when you die, if you were to die today, I will be in God's kingdom with Jesus. If you have that assurance, praise God. That's a good thing. First John is all about that assurance of salvation in Jesus Christ. But you know what? Jesus didn't die for us so that our vision and dream is to live a mediocre life. Just kind of make it through the day and then die. That's not what I see in the prayer of Paul. He wants our lives to be elevated. Excellent, abundant, filled with fruit of righteousness, overflowing with love and discernment, making impact on life, bearing fruit of righteousness, not just in you, but in people, more people knowing and growing in Jesus. So what do you pray for you and your family and the church? Yes, we pray for immediate needs. We've got to pray for that. Health issues, yes some marital and family issues, yes. We we can bring anything and everything to God, but along with that, let's pray this prayer, church. Philippians, one prayer. I mean, I got to memorize this as I'm meditating and preparing to preach, but may this prayer, I mean, one application, after this service, this week, I want to give you a homework, Let's pray this prayer personally, but also in your family. If you're a student, if you're part of a campus ministry, you can share this. Pray this with your friend. Life group, which will kick off. Ministry teams, you pray for many things, but let's pray with this vision, this vision of Paul, this vision that God has for you and I. Pray this in your families. 1027, I know I'm gonna have two more points, but I'm gonna pray now. I think we should pray, because this is all about praying. So I don't wanna just preach and not pray, so I asked Eunice you to be ready. So what, can we do that now? Why don't we pray that now? We're gonna have that PowerPoint. You, got, you, you, you can pray with your eyes open. Use that as your prayer this morning. Can we do that? I'm gonna give you a couple minutes. For this portion, we're gonna pray alone. We're gonna close by praying together at the end. Let's pray. I'm gonna give you some time to pray this prayer for yourself, for your family, for our church. Hmm. Father, we want to glorify you. We thank you for this prayer of Paul that helps us to realign and recenter our hearts, our life, and our prayer that we don't just say it as a Christian thing to say, but really, Father, that is our desire as your people, your glory, your praise is our ultimate vision, Father. And for that, Father, we we recognize that even as Jesus you you say you say in John 15, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you that you, that God will be glorified as we bear fruit as you answer our prayers and we bear fruit of righteousness, as we are being transformed into the image of Christ more and more, as we make disciples of all nations, filling the earth with your glorious people, you will be glorified, that we will be purified through Jesus, by the power of your Spirit. And for that, we need your help. We need your Spirit to change our hearts. God, I see how our hearts can so easily be so stubborn, so hard, so numb. God, grant us vision, grant us new hearts, grant us one heart to pursue you and things of you. And God, to do that, we need to have the spiritual discernment to discern and approve what is excellent and to make choices that are excellent. So will you fill us with your love that in everything that we do, every choices that we make, it will be ultimately be driven by our love for you. We choose certain study or career or job or even ministry or going on missions trips live missionally here because we love you because we love you and for those of us whose hearts are dry and we just don't feel your love and it's been such a long time life has been so challenging and i've i've let go of that heart The secret garden that belongs to my Lord and Lord alone I've given to the idols. Forgive us. Will you take a reclaim of the secret heart, a secret garden of our heart? Jesus, purify our hearts. Wash us with your precious blood and fill us with your presence and your spirit your love that compels us to make choices, to make decisions that pleases you and will honor you and glorify you. Grant us knowledge of you. We want to know you. We, we want to know you. Without knowing you, we perish. Without vision, we perish. So grant us spiritual insight, and knowledge into your heart so that we are so in tune with you, we're so aligned to you. We do that for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you think my sermon's over, but it's not yet. I still have seven minutes. Let me, let me share briefly. Not only do we see a vision from Paul's content of prayer, he prays with affection because... When we love someone, we will pray. Because praying is caring. Praying is loving. If we are not praying, that means we're not loving. If you care for somebody, if you love somebody, you pray. Last week, I was invited by a member of our church to pray over Zoom for her father, her beloved father. All the families were together to pray together. She didn't shy away from asking me to lead prayer, to pray for her and her family, and also invited me to come to her house In a few days, to pray together. Praying is loving and caring. This Friday, I was invited by another member into her home to meet her grandparents, to pray for them. Her grandparents didn't know Jesus yet, wanted to make sure that they hear the gospel before they die. So I went to share the gospel, and I pray with them. I almost forced gospel into their throat. (laughs) I'm like, believe. Please pray this with me. I gave words into their mouth, basically, to follow after my prayer. And the sister was in tears throughout our meeting for 30-plus minutes. Why? Because she loved her grandparents. Yesterday morning, I received an email from one of you. Every time somebody emails me about just sharing about life and their prayer requests, and it delights me as a pastor, and so it was a long email just keeping me up to date, and at the end of the long email update, there was a one line that really moved me, and it, and it, it said, every day I pray for you and your family, and for our church. My goodness. Every day I pray for you, your family, and our church. Knowing that someone's praying for you every day, praying for your family every day, and for our church every day, my goodness, what an encouragement. And I'm sure there are many of you who pray for me every day. Why you smile? Affirming, thank you very much. Not only was it comforting to me, I was actually convicted because, to be honest, I, didn't, I, I haven't been praying for that particular person, that member, every day. There, it was no reciprocated. I'm like, Lord, I need to do better in my prayer life. And in, in a sense, it revealed my lack of affection. It was convicting. I need to pray for you more. And what drove Paul to pray? Not just vision, but affection, love for people. His prayer life was abundant because his love was abundant. Look verse, verses three and four. I thank my God for all my remembrance of you, always in all my prayer of mine, for all of you making my prayer with joy. And then he says in verses seven and nine, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart RSV actually translates the Greek original language as because you hold me in your heart. It's vice versa, it's reciprocated. They're like in this love relationship. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, for God is my witness. And he says, how I yearn for you, long for you with affection of Christ. Paul had love of Christ in his heart to pray for his people. The reason I don't pray, the reason we don't pray, is because we don't love. So we gotta pray for this affection of Christ to saturate our hearts, because when we love, we will pray. Lastly, praying with conviction. Right in the smack middle of this Thanksgiving and prayer section of the letter, Paul says this I'm sure of this, or literally being confident or persuaded that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Not only did Paul pray with conviction or uh, uh, vision and affection, he prayed with this deep, conviction and confidence that God who began a good work in you and me in his people, he's the one who's going to complete. Now that, that fuels our prayer. Our prayer abounds because we know God and who God is and how he works. We know God's character and God's power. Some of us have been waning in our prayer life because we've been discouraged. We've been so disappointed. Because you've been praying for someone or something for so long, and it seems like nothing much is changing. But let's be reminded in that process, a lot of times, God is at work in you. That's my experience. As much as I'm trying to change my children, you know what? God is changing me. God is working out his vision to make me pure and blameless for the day of Jesus, for me to bear fruit of righteousness. And let's let's be reminded and share this conviction and confirmation and confidence that Paul had. You know what? At the end of the day, this vision that Paul prays with, that we pray with now, God's going to fulfill God's gonna accomplish. He who began a good work in you, he's the one who's gonna finish the work that he began. So the first song that we sang has this line, let faith rise. Actually, that was in my sermon notes. Faith, let faith rise. May you and I believe in this God who hears our prayers, will answer our prayers, and he will fulfill, he will accomplish. That's God's vision, his vision, for his people, for you and I. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die to give us the gift of forgiveness. When Jesus died on the cross, he purchased for us, not only forgiveness or justification, but he purchased for us, when he died, sanctification to make us pure and holy and glorification so that we will live gloriously to glorify God. Let's pray. So I wanna give you a couple minutes. We don't have a response song, but we have response time of prayer. So Paul encourages us to abound in prayer as we pray with vision, which I spend most of my time this morning. But not only that, with affection, with love, with affection of Christ, and also with conviction, that God's the one who's who's gonna accomplish his vision. So if you're lacking vision, why don't you pray for that? Lord, make this prayer of Paul become my vision for my life, for my family, and for the ministry that I'm doing, the work that I'm doing. And if you're lacking in affection, not only should we repent, but also ask God to fill us with affection of Christ Jesus, who died for us. And he encourages us, that's how you ought to love one another, brother, a sister willing to give oneself, herself, himself, for fellow brother, sister. And if you're lacking conviction, you've been so disappointed or jaded in your heart, may faith arise in you that you will believe again in the one who began a good work in you. He's the one who's going to accomplish the vision for your life. So let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for giving us confidence in you, that you who began a good work in us will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. Though we struggle in so many ways, in so many of our lives, Father, we thank you that we can restart today with this confidence and conviction that Jesus, you are for us and with us, and you who are in us will continue your good work in each of us and in this church family, that you will make us to be fruitful. We proclaim that in faith with vision that we will be pure and blameless, that we will bear fruit of righteousness through Jesus Christ, that we will be people of wisdom, people of love, who love one another deeply, who love God so much that after all the sacrifice that we may make, we will say like Hudson Taylor, was never a sacrifice. When we consider what Jesus Christ has done for me, it was my joy and my privilege. Because when we love someone, we don't feel like we're sacrificing. So grant us heart of Christ, affection of Christ, to live as though Christ is living through us, and to pray like how Christ, you pray for us. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, love of God our Father, and the fellowship, the partnership of the Holy Spirit be all of God's people, who will abound in prayer with vision and affection and conviction now and forevermore. Amen.